0: Well, hello, it's good, good to be here and um, I want to bring greetings from the Fulwood Free Methodist Church which is in Preston in Lancashire. Um, there is only one county better than Lancashire and it's Cornwall. I um, believe that for many, many years. Um, John doesn't agree with me. Um, you might think I've got the same accent as John but I haven't at all. His is Yorkshire, mine's Lancashire. And there is a very, very clear difference. <laughs> but usually not to you. The difference is felt here rather than here. So, <laughs> Just the picture that somebody had or the thought about God singing over you as as John was sharing that. Um, I, I got a memory. Sometimes I kind of wonder why I'm a pastor. Uh, usually it's other people who wonder why I'm a pastor. But sometimes I, I wonder it as well. And and I go back to being a, a brother. I have um, I had four brothers who were younger than me, and um, by the time they were born, I was old enough to care for them, and I would I would feed and change them. I could bath them and uh, give them Farley's rusk, which you don't do anymore apparently. But um, and I just loved caring for my little baby brothers. But the one thing I loved doing above everything was. Um, just rocking them in a pram and singing over them. And I had a brother die when he was six weeks old, my brother Christopher. And the one clear memory I have is just knowing that this little baby was was deathly ill. Um, But actually going into the lounge, he was was always parked by a radiator for warmth and just rocking and singing over him Um, because I loved them. And whoever had that picture was for, just, just hear that, because that, that's still for you, the pastor, the, the shepherd, um, delights in you. He's singing over you. I want to read from Ephesians chapter 4. In the letter to Ephesians, the Apostle Paul, 2,000 years ago, writes so clearly about the church and, and Christ's relationship with the church. And if you know Ephesians at all, Paul writes and uses three huge, beautiful pictures. In chapter 2, he uses the picture of the church being like a temple. Um, Not a finished temple, a temple that's being built. But as it's being built, God lives in that temple. He lives in you and me by the presence of his glory, of his Holy Spirit. Chapter 5. Um, he speaks about the church being like a, a bride, and, and Christ is the bridegroom, and some of the mystery um, and the beauty and the challenge of that, um, both to husbands and wives, but also to us as a church. Here in this chapter, chapter 4, he pictures the church as a body. I'm going to read about that together. Um, so, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. So. He, or Christ, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up, until we all reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of God. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Listen to the voice of God. I don't know when you read your Bible, you think, oh, this is the word of God. I I try and keep telling myself, no, this is the voice of God. He's speaking to me through it. I turn my watch off. I don't know what time you finished. I'm not that bothered. This is my holiday watch. Um, I, it was a free watch. Um, I bought, uh, it's, uh, bought it, uh, uh, an, an Epson dot matrix printer about 25 years ago. And they gave me a free watch. And um, it's great. Ask, ask me to look at it afterwards. It's a really lovely, lovely watch. It's known in my family as my holiday watch. So I bring it. And the reason... Um, I love it, because when you're on holiday, it's got no numbers on, you can't tell the time. <laughs> so it's absolutely useless for me preaching to you this morning. <laughs> okay. So, one of the things that you could say, if you want to summarise this passage of scripture in a, in a short sentence, it would simply be, as the Apostle Paul's writing to the Ephesians, he's saying, grow up if you're going to take it for this morning and for St. Austell Life Church, he would be saying, St. Austell, grow up. Now when you hear that phrase, some of you immediately, your heart starts beating because some of you can hear your wives saying it to you in the middle of an argument. Will you just grow up? Or some of you are thinking, oh, frustration. I've got a 13-year-old at home. We get into arguments, and the number of times I look at him or look at her and say, will you just grow up? One of the things you don't do is say to a little baby, will you grow up? It is your longing, but you don't say it with frustration. I believe this morning Jesus says to his church, not in frustration, but actually in tenderness and in love and in in passion for his people, he's saying, come on, come on Senostel! I just long for you to grow up, to grow up in me. And that's what we're going to look at this morning, because as Paul writes, he then begins to explain what, what that growing up looks like. I'm blessed, and Catherine is blessed as well, amazingly, with four grandsons. We had four daughters, and now they've given us four grandsons as a, um, a six-year-old, a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a one-year-old, not quite a one-year-old. Now, Jesse is the, the youngest in the family, and he's Jesse Robert Andrew Smith. Decided that if you've got a surname like Smith, you need three names to make it sound posher. So he's Jesse Robert Andrew Smith. Um, I just just wish it was Jesse James, Robert Andrew Smith. <laughs> that would have been that would have been a lot cooler, Jesse James. But anyway, so this is Jesse. Now, some of you will be totally into tech and into software, and, and some of you may not. But be aware that they can they can produce software now, and you see it sometimes on documentaries about fitness and health, where they they take your, a picture of you now. And on the basis of what you're eating and what you're drinking and how you're living, they can then project with that software what you're going to look like when you're 60. Well, I know. I'm 60. This is what I look like when I'm 60. Okay, Um, But we've done that and applied this to Jesse, so we've added 25 years to his life. Okay, So this is what Jesse's going to look like in 25 years' time. Cool. and tragically so many of us we become Christians and we look now 25 years later just like we looked when we first received Jesus because we've not heard his words and applied them when he says come on will you grow up now If Jesse looks like that in 25 years' time, and you're told that this is Jesse and he's 25, you would look at him and think, are you sure? He looks more like eight months. Are you sure? And you say, yes, here's his birth certificate. And then you, in your mind, because you'd be far too polite to say it, you'll think, there's something wrong with this kid. Something wrong. If he's 25 years old, then there's something wrong. He's got stunted growth or whatever, um, but there's something wrong here. And if we're not growing as Christians, there's something wrong. So here's some of the ways, as Paul's writing to the um, Ephesian church, how we can grow up. And it seems like one of the first ways he says we can grow up is is simple. He just says, you grow up by serving. Now, in the church, he says, you've got leaders, uh, a leadership that will be apostles and prophets and teachers and evangelists and pastors. But they're not here to serve you They're here to release you, release me, release us, to serve. But we only grow up as we serve. Now, I was brought up in a church where you didn't get to serve until you were spiritual. Alright? So, to be spiritual, that meant you had to go to church at least twice, if not three times on a Sunday. You had to be at the prayer meeting on a regular basis. And then you went to the midweek Bible study. And if you did those things, especially if you were an earnest young Christian then that proved that you were spiritual. So you might get voted in to do something at the annual church meeting. Okay? Actually, Paul doesn't see it like that. When he writes to the Ephesian church, it says one of the key ways you grow up is by giving up yourself to serve. And we live in a, in a very selfie-ish world. We live in a world where it's all about me. Well, actually, it's not. It's about I iPad iPod I exist for me and and Paul writes and says no we we exist and we live to serve Jesus Christ and and one of the best ways you can grow up is give up he says similar in Ephesians 5 when he talks to husbands and he says husbands love your wives give yourselves up for them as Christ gave himself up for the church I do marriage prep with all, all, married couples to be in our church and I love teasing husbands at this point because I say to them, so, so what does that mean? And they all say, oh, well, you've got to grow up as Christ loved the church, as, 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 you've got to give yourself up as Christ gave himself up. Or, what does that mean? Well, he served the church. He said, no, 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 what does it mean? Give himself up. And I push them a bit hard and say, well, it, he died for the church. And I say to them, well, So you've got to die for your wife. Well, you know that verse you just read where it says, wife, submit to your husbands? Yeah. Well, she only has to submit to you when you're dead. (laughs) Dead to yourself. Any husband that will not give himself up for his wife will struggle to find a wife that will give herself up for him. All right? And Paul's saying that here. You may not be married. You may not got to that wonderful, holy estate of matrimony yet. Or you may want to. Or, or you, may have been, you may have got past all that for whatever reason. But listen to me. One of the best ways you can grow as a Christian is by giving yourself up and serving him. I know for many people, when they're asked to say something in church, share their testimony. Or pray with somebody, suddenly thinking, oh, I've never done that before, that's a challenge. And all that week you're living holy, all that week you're praying, all that week you're throwing yourself on the Lord. And in those, that challenge of giving yourself up to serve, you find that God is actually causing you to spiritually grow. But not just that. When you give yourself up, you're giving your time up. You're giving your, I want to do this and I want to do that. And you're saying, no, I'm going to give myself to serve. Can I gently encourage you this morning and say, will you grow up? If you come here week after week after week, and all you do is sit there without serving, you're missing out on growing up. And Paul and Jesus say, come on, come on, don't stay the same, Don't, don't stay like you are, grow up. Another way that Paul writes is that we grow together because we're changed by the truth. There's two ways Paul speaks about truth here. He speaks about knowing the truth, but he also speaks about living the truth. I used to think, you'd sometimes you get people praying, Lord, we want to be planted like a tree whose roots go deep down. That's not a tree. It's a carrot. <laughs> right? You look at a tree with a Tree fall on our main road going into the, the grand city of Preston. It was a huge tree, and, it, and the, tr- the wind took it over and it just ripped up this great, spread out mass of roots. And I looked and I thought, those roots don't go down. Those roots spread out to grip, they spread out to grip. And, and I realise that, that when we speak about knowing the truth of the Word of God, it isn't so I can quote you verse after chapter after verse and say, oh well, Psalm 16 or 116 says this, or Psalm 23 says this, or Ephesians 4. It's so that your life is getting a hold of God's Word and your life is gripping it. shared with a, a lady in our church, she's, she's brand new to our church over the last couple of months, and... And um, I just said, come and grab a coffee one day. So she came into the church and into my office and we, we sat and had a coffee together. And she told me some of her story. She, her husband had been an elder in a church. And and just within within weeks, he turned his back on everything completely. He turned his back on his faith. turned his back on leading the church. He turned his back on her. He turned his back on their um, foster baby that they were adopting and he walked completely out of her life. And I said to her, so how did you get through that? That must have been horrendous. She said, for six months I absolutely resolved that I would throw myself utterly and entirely on God. For six months I woke up at four o'clock every morning and for two hours I read and gripped And held on to God's word and prayed. Then I got my son up and began to look after my little baby. And I said, you can see just by the way you're talking, how much God has brought you through and helped you and healed you. she said, absolutely, absolutely. And it's not because she knew God's word. It's because she knew it enough to grip it and hold fast to it through a tough time. But it's not just about knowing God's word. As Paul writes here, he said, he said when those winds come, the winds of change in doctrine, that people will say, oh, well, you don't have to believe this bit of the Bible anymore. You don't have to believe that bit anymore. You can say, no, I know God's word, and I can hold on to it. But you also live it. So when God's word says, be honest... You live with integrity. Later on in this uh, letter, Paul writes to thieves, and he said, "He said if you're stealing, stop stealing. If you're stealing, stop stealing, and do something useful with your hands, so you can live and work to serve others. Give yourself up to serve others and give to those who are in need. In other words, he says, if you if you're a thief." Become a Robin hood. Don't be robbing people. Give to serve. Give to serve. So God's word challenges you, not just to grip it and, and say, well, I know it. Challenges you to live it in every single area of your life. Sexual purity, honesty, integrity, speaking the truth in love. Those kind of things. Paul says, let God's word get a hold of you. Okay? So you read God's word to get a grip on it, but you find as you get a grip on it, it gets a grip on you and it begins to change your life. You know how a tree grows? It grows through a guy called Moses. Oz Moses. Right? <laughs> And nutrients and food and and, and moisture in the soil, it draws up through its roots and that begins to change the tree, begins to grow the tree. And the tree begins to grow upwards and begins to spread out and mature and begin to bring fruit, whether it's conkers or acorns or plums. I prefer the plums myself, but, um, but you know what's happening. And Paul's saying, as, as you get a grip on God's word, then it's going to grow up through you and grow out in your life. So let me ask a question Does God's word change you? And, and do you read, read it and, and, and they say, okay, that's it, I've done my quiet time for today, shut the Bible and go? I'm pretty good at doing that. <laughs> I have to take a, a chapter and I have to find a verse in that chapter and I have to look at it and say, right, okay, God, this is your voice to me today. And I have to write about it. The reason I write is because I can't think and write at the same time because I'm a man. I can't multitask. So it means I'm absolutely focused, right? If I, if I just try and pray, I'd be thinking about whether Liverpool are going to win or um, did, Leeds, did Leeds lose or something like that, you know, but... Um, But I know I've got got to get a hold of God's word so it gets a hold of me. And when it challenges me, it's not so I say, oh, I've been challenged today. It's so I am changed by it. So we know the truth and we live the truth. Then another thing Paul speaks about is that we grow up in the love of Christ. And, and it's absolutely beautiful what he says here. Because he says that, that as we grow in love, he says we, we become joined to each other. Sorry, I've just kicked the water over. I knew I was going to do that. So I did. <laughs> <laughs> Forgive me. Oh, it's paddling as well. Yeah, it's good. Have you ever done that in the sand near the sea? It all paddles up into mud and it sticks your foot. I can't move now. Hang on anyway, here, verse 16. From him, that's from Christ, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now, we like the love of God in Jesus, don't we? It's nice, isn't it? No, it's not nice. Right. When I was courting my wife Catherine, the last thing in the world I was allowed to say to her was, you look nice. Because nice is just too easy. Nice is just too nice. If you want to speak about God's love and Christ's love in us, speak about strong. Speak, speak about deep. Speak about big or vast or wide. Speak about true. Speak about life. Don't, don't go thinking, oh, Christ's love is nice. So we can hold each other's hands around a campfire and gaze longingly into each other's eyes and sing, I love this family of God. Okay? That's nice. Christ's love has to be real and deep in our relationships. And if it isn't, it is nice. But it might not be real. Okay? It might give us a little bit of a glow, but it's got to have some reality. And I want to tell you this, and some of you will already know it, relationships are difficult. They are really difficult. One of the most holy-making things in your life is your husband. One of the most holy-making things in your life is your wife. One of the most holy-making people in your life should be your best friend if you're a teenager, one of the most holy-making things in your life should be your father. He should get right up your nose because he's, <laughs> so that you change in your attitude towards him to be like Jesus. Right? And if you're a lady and your room is messy because you're a 14-year-old and your mother's had to go at you again to clear it up, okay, then you're clearing it up is an opportunity to become like Jesus. Not nice like him, strong like him, pure like him. Amen. There goes a the mother with a 14-year-old. <laughs> and it means that when we get into tough relationships, we're prepared to put them right. John, can I borrow you a minute, please? It's all right. Sorry, right. I haven't got a word for you. Just just say something horrible about me, will you? <laughs> Go on. It's sweaty up here. Just tell me, I, tell me I've got B.O. I've got something. have B.O. Right, okay, right. So, so John, as a brother in Christ, has just hurt me. Now I'll tell you what to do. When a brother in Christ hurts you, you get offended. And you walk away from him. Because I'm not speaking to him anymore. Because he should know better than to offend me. Oh, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> he should know better than to offend me. So so I'm going to stay away from him. Because I don't want him to do that again. Because I'm all hurt now. Alright? And I'll be offended. And I'll need prayer ministry for that. And somebody in the prayer ministry team says, What you need to do is go and talk to John. Oh no, no, no. He's offended me. I'm hurt. If I love and I'm into relationships and if I want to grow up in Christ in love, then the thing I have to do is go to John. Not talk to the elders. Not write emails without an address on it. (laughs) Right? Of complaint. Okay? I go to John and say, John, my relationship with you is more important than my offense. And You know last week when you said I got B.O.? I found that really hard. And I just, I kind of need to understand what you meant by that. (laughs) Counselor training, counselor training. Okay. Well, they just mean to smell them. Okay, right. But what I really need to know is, even if I do smell, do you love me? Yes. Oh. oh. Isn't that nice? (laughs) Now we can laugh, but you know we don't do it. We don't dare do it. We'd rather break relationship and create division in our hearts and our heads than actually do the hard yards of not being nice about love, but being strong about love. And Paul says here that we growing up in Christ. The major thing is that we grow up together in love. Together in love. And he uses a beautiful little picture that I'm convinced was given by the Holy Spirit. Because Paul was not a biologist. Or a doctor. But at the end of every ligament in your body, it is attached to the bone By glue. Your body makes an incredible glue that attaches your ligaments to the bones. And without them, they cannot put your bones under tension that you need to even sit in the seat you're in now. That I need to even stand up now. If somebody comes and says you look like you've got tension, the answer is always yeah. I wouldn't be stood up if I didn't have tension. (laughs) Right? You'd be a blob on the floor without that tension. And Paul says, that glue that holds you as ligaments to help the church not just stand up, but grow up in Jesus. That glue is the glue of the love of Jesus Christ. And it's not nice, it's strong. It's strong. And it helps you to grow. So here are these amazing things that, that Paul says, first of all, you grow by giving yourself up in a selfish world. You grow by serving. You grow by gripping the truth so that it then grips you and you live it out with integrity. But above all, above all, you grow in the love of Jesus who ultimately loved us so much that he gave himself up for us. Now, where are the challenges for us today? For some of us, the challenge may be Sorry, this is a bit northern, but it may be that you've got to get off, out of your seat, get your butt off your seat and say, how can I serve God? It might be here, it might be somewhere else. But how can you serve God? Give yourself up to serve, because you won't grow if you don't go. For some of us, it may be that our relationship with God's voice needs to be deeper So that his word changes our lives and challenges our lives in ways that that we don't let it because we close the book too quick. And then when we're challenged we say oh we're challenged but we don't change. And for some of us it may be simply that our relationships are not good because we want them to be nice. And we're not We're not courageous, we're not strong enough in our loving to say Pastor John offended me last week. I'm going to ask him what he meant. And if I need a bath then I need a bath. Let's pray together. Just in a moment of quiet, allow God the Holy Spirit to speak to you. It is only one item or one line or one screen from this message that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about it what might that be? Will you give yourself up to serve? Is that what God's word is saying to you today? Too happy to just take it all in and enjoy being here God the Holy Spirit says it's time time to grow offer yourself in service your relationship with God's voice gripping his word So it grips you. Apostle John wrote that it's too easy to look into God's word like we're looking in a mirror. and Then we walk away and we forget what we've seen. Forget the spots and the pimples and the stuff that needs dealing with. You let God's word become active in your life. So it becomes you. In this whole area of tough love, are there relationships you need to prayerfully, carefully, tenderly, humbly, gently, lovingly, but strongly mend? because he can't grow.